Amen. John chapter one says this, that in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God and the word, the word was with God and the word was God. I find it interesting that God calls himself the word. And it's also good to note that the word was all the way in the beginning. Now, that's important and you need to hang on to that and just remember that for a minute because because God calls himself the word and he says the word was already there in the beginning. The beginning was the word. Verse 14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. So the word became flesh. God's word became human. Basically, Jesus was God's word and Jesus walked out on this planet what God's word is. So, so let me see if I can clear this up. So when you read the Bible and it talks about Jesus, when you look at Jesus's life and everything that he's doing, that's the word of God. Is this making sense? Shake your head and I'll do something. I'll, I'll move on. Okay. So, so Jesus was the word of God. So, so I, I beg the question, if, if Jesus could do all these incredible things, then can't the word do all these incredible things? Jesus raised the dead. Cannot the word raise the dead? We're going to get something this week. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a great time. Listen, my goal for you for the next four weeks is these four things. Number one is that we'll learn God's word. Number two is that we'll love God's word. Number three, that we'll begin to live God's word. And then number four, we'll we'll discover the power of God's word. It's important to know the word and it's important to know it accurately. Some of you have heard me share this story before, but when we lived in Franklin, my neighbor was a girl that I graduated high school with and her daughter was, was going to a Catholic school and she was memorizing the Ten Commandments. And, and so she would come to my house and because I was a Christian, her mama was sitting to my house like that was some kind of special anointing was going to get on her to memorize her Ten Commandments. But I took the, the opportunity anyway. I loved the little girl. She's now a, an adult with two little twin boys, cute as all get out. But, but she would come to my house and, and she would, I would help her memorize the Ten Commandments. And so she, she came over one time and I said, okay, Lauren, tell me the Ten Commandments. And she begins to say them. And then she says this one. She goes, and thou shalt not admit adultery. And I was just kind of listening, you know. And then when I heard that, I kind of went, whoa, whoa, time out. What? She said, thou shalt not admit adultery. I said, no, 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 baby, time out. And the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So let's talk about the difference between admitting and committing, okay? And so we had a little break in the moment. But that's why it's important to know God's word accurately, right? It's a cute story, but it's just, you know, just the fun stuff of God's word. Go with me to John chapter 6, verse 63. I want to show you some more things about the word. This, John chapter 6, verse 63 says this, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. That's good preaching right there already. And the very words I have spoken to you, watch this, are spirit and life. The Holy Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human efforts accomplish nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, the Bible says. Now, what's interesting is that word spirit is really not a good translation. If you go back into the Greek, that word spirit literally means the breath of God. But it would kind of read funny. That was the best English word we could come up with. It would actually read a little bit funny if you read it and it said, and, and the word, the, the breath of God. And you see what I'm saying? And so it, it wouldn't make sense. But literally, that word means power. 
So, so, and the very words I've spoken to you are power and life. You see, in the beginning of creation, God, what? He spoke everything into existence, right? The, the, the world was formless. It was void. It was empty. Everything that we enjoy, now God spoke it into existence with what? With his words. Remember now, the word was in the beginning and the word was God, Right? So fast forward to today, this word of God still has the power it had in Genesis to create the planet you're parked on. It still has that same power today. It's called the power to create. It's a creating kind of power. Do you remember when, when, when God formed Adam from the dust of the ground and he, he made a mold? And then when did Adam become Adam is when God, what? He breathed into him. And that word means, means to breathe. It's God's breath. And so his breath is powerful. His breath, God's words create God's word will take your situation that looks doom and gloom and it'll breathe life into it. Come on, somebody. It'll begin to change the way you see things. It has power to create. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive. This book is alive. Now, it's not going to grow legs, arms, and some weird-looking ears and run around your house like a gremlin. But, but it's alive. I wish you was excited as I am this morning. It's alive. How do you know it's alive? When I read it and it apply it to my life, it does something in my, it gives me life. And it's funny how I can read something one day and it means something and then come back 300 days later, read it again and it means something totally different. It's alive. It's growing. It's breathing. It's, it's alive and powerful. The Bible says. It's not a historical book. This isn't just an ordinary book. It's not just pages and letters. This is the actual word of God. And we've got to accept it as this is the word of God. Now, maybe it would be a little bit easier if it was all in gold and, you know, the letters were in gold and it looked a little more heavenly. But honestly, it's just, a, it's just words on a page, but it's not just the way they're presented. It's what they are. These are God's words for us. He loves us enough to give us his words. The Bible also says that it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's the word, y'all. The word gets up inside of you. It's like a sharper than a double-edged sword, it says. So that means that the, not only is the word powerful and alive and active, it does surgery. <laughs> Come on, some of you can't afford to get a surgery. The, the word will give you some surgery. Come on, somebody. It'll get up inside of you in between the joints and the marrows and the, and the soul and the spirit. And it'll begin to do a work inside of you. It'll get, the Bible says it'll get into your innermost being. Watch this. And begin to remove the things that are killing you. That's what the word does. The word of God is better than the the best cancer specialist in the United States. It'll get up in your life and begin to remove these spiritual cancers from your body and take things out. Bad attitudes, bad beliefs, uh, your past hurts and wounds, lies that you've believed. 
The word of God will get up inside of you and begin to change all that. But today there's too many Christians that, that just, we don't want to, we don't want to read it. And we, we feel like it's, it's, it's just a book. You, know, you go to church and you buy a Bible and you get a cute one so everybody will be impressed. And, and, it, and you do your best to keep it pretty and you treat it like a symbol more than a living, active word from God. And so the Bible is its powerful. Listen, not only is it good for getting information, but it's, it's good for getting the power to do something with that information. Amen? That's what the Bible is. So my challenge for you is just to get excited about the Bible this morning. I want you to get excited. I want you to get fired up about this Bible. I want you to top, stop looking at it as like just a, a book that you just get when you're a Christian. And, and you know, you read it kind of like the owner's manual of your car. That, you know, I'll read it when I got a problem. But even your owner's manual has some problem preventing maintenance that you can do. <laughs> Change the oil. <laughs> Make sure a little water in the radiator. Proper fuel in the gas tank. Come on. Car's broken. You don't know why. And it's right there in the glove box. I've heard too many people say, but pastor, man, you know, the word, it just, man, it gets mundane and it gets complicated. Come on. How many of you have ever said that before you felt that way about reading God's word? Come on. Let's just be real and honest. Come on. When, when I, it's like, man, I read it, you know, pastor, I gave it a shot and when I, I read it. It's just kind of like, uh, I don't get nothing from it. So I kind of give up on it. Anybody like that this morning? I remember being, I still have days like that. Can I just be honest? And we're going to talk about why. But sometimes it's, it's just, let's just be real this morning. Sometimes it's just tough to read God's word because we don't understand. And, and we're the type of people when we don't understand something long enough, we'll quit. Right? We'll give up. So I want to address that this morning in two different ways. I want to give you some theology that makes the Bible come alive. And then I want to give you some practical things that you can use, some things, some tools that you can actually take home to help you get into the Bible. Amen? So here we go with that. Let me give you the theology side first. In order for the Bible to come alive, number one, it requires faith. You must have faith that this is God's word, that this is his breathed words to us. You've got to have faith. So faith activates the word. Shake your head. Just just shake your head even if you don't understand. We're going to get it in a minute. Faith activates the word, right? So faith causes the Bible to come alive. It takes faith to understand the word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says this, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Two separate groups of people. But the word preached did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith when they heard it. So, so sometimes people come, okay, every Sunday people come to church and some people leave and they go, man, that was incredible. And other people leave like, yeah, well, <laughs> check the box. I came to church today. I didn't get nothing from church today. Why is that? Because one person walked in and mixed faith into what they heard and the next person didn't. 
I'm going to get on soapbox for a second. Too many people put too much pressure on the preacher. He better have a hot meal this morning. Listen to me. The meal is hot. And the meal is good because it's the word of God. It's just whether or not you're ready to eat. You came with your fork faith this morning. <laughs> your fork of faith ready to eat from the meal of God this morning. That was as cheesy as can get out. I don't know. Scratch that. Don't put that in your notes, please, and hold it against me later. But, but Paul's saying, you know what? These people, they didn't understand God's word because they didn't mix faith into it. You see, you got to have faith to understand God's word. You see, faith takes the natural things of life and it turns it into the supernatural things of life. And you're going, oh, great, pastor. You just made it even worse. Not only do I not understand the Bible, I don't have much faith. I want to help you with that. How do we get faith? How does faith come? Number two, to have faith, you must have revelation. Revelation activates your faith. Because faith activates the word. You see in this? So you got to have some revelation. Well, pastor, what's revelation? Revelation is kind of like an aha moment. It's kind of like you've been reading your Bible and you've been studying and you've been kind of, it's mundane and you're about ready to quit. But if you'll just press in and you'll continue to read it, you'll, one day it'll just kind of go, oh, oh, wow. That's called revelation. You see, we all need some revelation to activate our faith. You follow me? You need revelation to activate the faith. There's actually two words for the word, word, <laughs> talking about the Bible. It's two words that talk about the Bible Two Greek words, one of them is logos, and that's just the written word of God. That's just the, the paper and pencil of God's word. And most people read God's word with logos. They just read it as words on a page, and they never really get a whole lot from it. But then there's another word that describes the Bible. It's called rhema. Rhema is the revealed word of God. It's, it's, that's the moment when you get the kind of the, oh. You see, that's what I'm trying to get us today is I want us to go from logos to rhema. I want you to go from just reading it as words on a page to, to actually reading it as living, breathing, alive and active. And you're going, oh, you see, I want you to get so in love with God's word that you just it's like it's like it's like bluebell. It's better than bluebell ice cream. You just got to have it. I mean, you, you're like if you know it's there, you're just fiending over this word. You, I got to get some more revelation. So revelation activates faith. There's a story in the Bible that, that talks about this. It's a very famous story. You know the story of Mary. And when the angel came to Mary, and the angel said to Mary, says, you're going to birth Jesus. Like, G, like, who, like, G, like, like God. You're going to birth God. And at first, Mary goes, what you doing, my Willis? And then as the angel con continues to speak, you see, when, when, when Mary heard it the first time, it was logos. It was just words. The angel continued to speak, and, and then she got revelation. She got, oh. You see that? The angel said this in, in Luke one thirty seven. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. 
And Mary's response was, to that was this. This is how you know she got it. Mary goes, well, may your word be fulfilled in my life. The word that the angel was giving her came alive. She got revelation of what the angel was trying to tell her. And she went, oh, and then she went, well, then apply that to my life. You see, she went from revelation to faith. Come on, stick with me here. She went from revelation. She needed some revelation to activate her faith. And watch this. In that moment, Mary became pregnant. So, so if the Bible is going to come alive, you first, it first requires faith. Then to get faith, it requires revelation. Then to get revelation, it requires, watch this, meditation. Now, now don't go Buddhist on me. <laughs> Some of you saw this. I don't want you sitting in the living room going, I don't want you doing all that, okay? It, it, don't do that. It requires meditation. Meditation is just a big fancy word that basically means just to chew on it. It just means to chew on it, just to take God's word and, and chew on it. You, I, I'm, I'm going to give it to you in South Louisiana. You pass by cow pastures all the time, right? And you see cows laying down and most of the time their head is up and sticking out and they're kind of doing this. Right? You see cows doing that? You know what they're doing? They're meditating. Not really, but they're meditating. It's called chewing the cud. So what, the, what a cow does, and this is kind of a gross analogy, but it, it, it really applies. A cow reaches down, grabs a big hunk of grass in its mouth, and it just begins to grind it up in its mouth. Let me go grass. Mm. Then it swallows it. Then a little while later, it throws it back up. Pretty gross. That's the word. It chews on them. It swallows it. Then throws it back up. And it chews on it. If you've ever stood in front of a cow when it's chewing its cud and it throws it back up, it stinks. Sometimes when you're chewing on God's word, it shows you how much your life stinks. But that's meditating. It's slowing down. It's taking the time. It's, it's, it's not trying to read 10 chapters a day to keep the devil away. It, it may be five verses and you're, you're just chewing on those verses and you're going, man, why, why did Jesus say that? Why does it look like he has an attitude? It seems like he's upset. You're writing down some notes. Maybe you get yourself a, what's called a journal. And you begin to write in your journal what you're reading. Because listen to me, sometimes you're going to be left with questions that aren't answered. Write those questions down and go, you know what? Why did Jesus seem to be aggravated? Next year, you may get the revelation of that. But that's called meditating. It's chewing on it. It's asking questions. Who's he speaking to? Who's the Bible talking about? Does this apply to me or does this apply to the Philistines? I mean, come on, somebody. Is this for me or is this for someone else? Who's he talking to? Why is he saying this? It's this. That's what it is. You'll never forget that. Right. So so as you meditate on God's word, when you read something, and you begin to chew it up. Watch this. Then you get revelation. 
Then when you get revelation, that revelation activates your faith. Come on, somebody. And then that faith activates God's word in your life. It's hard to get revelation when you're only giving it five minutes a day. I know you got schedules. I know you can't stay five hours in the word all day long. I understand that. But you can take some notes along with you. Back in the early days, I used to put scriptures on my dashboard. I'd tape them to my hard hat. There was something I was chewing on and I, didn't, I couldn't quite grab it. I wouldn't give up on it. I would, I would put it everywhere I looked. I've been home at times. My wife's had scriptures on the mirror. She's had sticky notes on the mirror. We got a chalkboard in the kitchen. There's scripture on the kitchen. I just, I think it's incredible. I remember in the early days when I was being discipled, when I, I'd, I'd given my life to Jesus at, a, at 12 years old at ABC camp, and, and I, I was just involved in church, and things were great, and I believe I was truly saved. But at 17, 18, I started to backslide. I got off in drugs and alcohol and all these other things, and I chased those things for about five or six years. And until finally I moved home, and I, I went back to church. My wife got saved. Actually, before I came back to God, she got saved. She irritated me back to God. And, and so then I came back to God, and, a, and a, a, a guy wanted to disciple me. I wanted something more than just church. Church was great, but I wanted something more. And he began to disciple me. And this guy was so good. He was so good at just letting me get it. I'll never forget me and my best friend. We, we would meet on Monday nights, and we'd be sitting in my best friend's living room, and and Steve would, would throw out some scripture and he'd say, okay, guys, tell me what this means. And he wouldn't give us the answer like he was trying to impress us by what he knew. He would let us sit there and chew on it. I'm talking like 20, 30 minutes. We're sitting there going, and this is awkward because there's three guys in a room and we're just silenced. And we're going, I had hair back then. I could scratch it. And it was, you know, I was like, man. And then all of a sudden, watch this. The bulb came on. The revelation came And I'll never forget, there was times I would sit back in my seat and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God in heaven. I've read that since I was 12 years old. I never knew it meant that. That's what I'm talking about. You only get that when you dig in. You don't don't just get that when you drive by. You following me this morning? You get that when you dig in and you spend some time and you, you turn your phone off and you... You hide somewhere as if you got to to get away from the kids. I mean, whatever. You, just, you do what you got to do to get away and get your time. And you know what I love today more than anything? I love to sit in a Bible study with a bunch of men. And women can come sometimes. And, and I love to sit in a Bible study and throw something on the table. And then just watch other people get it. And I go, wow. I love to watch other people get their aha moment. You following me this morning? Man, it's just incredible. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Getting that revelation that comes from meditating. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 from the Message Bible says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you are, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. So, so the Bible is not here just to enhance your life. 
It's not there just to be like a, a, a home improvement thing. This isn't the, the DIY of your spiritual life. This isn't there just to make you better. It's actually there to give you a foundation to, to build your life on. This is the foundation of your life. And listen to me, you're going to need it. You will need the word of God to be the foundation in your life. I promise you, you will need it. It goes on in a couple of verses and says that when the storms of life come, they're going to test your foundation. Now, come on. We live on planet Earth. Storms come all the time. I'm not talking about weather storms. I'm talking about relational storms, financial storms, spiritual storms, emotional storms, mental storms. You know what I'm talking about? Those storms are going to come. And I wish I could take those storms from you. But if I did, I would be I would be I would be. I would be robbing you of the experience of seeing God's word work. So I'm not going to take your problems. Not that I could anyway. I got enough of my own. But when storms come, is your life built on this? Is your life built on this? Because when the storms come, it's going to test your foundation. Amen? I'm trying to give you something today that will help you face any storm that life throws at you. That's what I want to give you today. Something, just something that you can hang on to. That's what I want for you as a church is I want you to, to build your life on God's word so that you can, you can be ready when the storms come. So how do we do this? How do we, let me give you the practical side. That was the theological side. Let me give you the practical side of, of, of God's. How do we make God's word? How does God's word come alive Number one, here's the practical part. I must accept the authority of God's word. (laughs) It begins with your attitude. How do you see God's word? I want you to answer that question in your own mind this morning. How do you think about the Bible? What is your attitude towards the Bible? Is it like, "Mm, I'll read it if I need it. Mm, I'll bring it out to church every now and then. Mm, pastor comes around, I'll throw it on the coffee table. What is your attitude towards the Bible? Is it words of life? Is it God's living, breathing, active word? Or is it just words on a page that, you know what, if I could probably do better if I would just read God's word, my life would be a little bit better. But you know, I just ain't got time for that. What's your attitude? Because you see, if you really understand And respect and accept the fact that this is God's word. It has authority over my life, over this planet, over every created being. His word has all authority, supreme authority. It will remain the same. It will never change because it don't need to change. Is that how you see it? Do you hold the word of God in honor? Is it in a place of honor? Is your attitude towards the Bible like, man, these are the words of life. These are the words that I need today and every day. Is that your attitude towards the Bible? Because your attitude says a lot about whether or not you accept it as God's word. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13 
It says this, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but actually as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. It's important to see that the word received in this in this verse in its Greek form means to it has the definition of welcoming in a stranger to your house. That that word received in the Greek is the same meaning as as you opening the door to a stranger and saying, come on in. Make sense. So so watch what. So read it now. It says this. I also thank God continually because you welcome the stranger of God's word into your house. Watch this. Which you heard from us, you accepted it so not only did they welcome it even though they didn't understand it even though they didn't recognize it even though they couldn't put all the pieces of god's word together they accepted and received it in such a way that i might not understand it but i'm going to go ahead and open the door and let it get up into my life like a stranger you see some of us stay away from our bibles because we don't understand it we're afraid of it We're scared to get it wrong. Paul said that he was thanking God continually because these people in Thessalonica, they just kicked the door open and said, come on, bring the word. You see, there's nothing like a church that comes to church on Sunday morning hungry for the word. The preaching sounds better when you come hungry for the word, because the preaching is the preaching. It's all how you hear it. Oh, I know it's good stuff. <laughs> it's all how you hear it. You see, you can't say it doesn't work if you don't accept it. You've got to accept it for what it is. This is the eternal word of God. We will be held in judgment to this one day. One day, God, we can't say, you can't stand before God one day and say, well, I didn't know. He's going to look back at you and he's going to say, Yes, you did. I gave you everything you needed to know. You didn't respect it. You didn't hold it in a place of honor. You didn't see it as vital. Your attitude was bad towards my word. I must accept the authority of God's word. Number two, I must assimilate its truths. That's just a fancy church word for I need to work it into every part of my life. I need to take this word from God and I need to apply it to every part of my life. I need to mix it in with some faith and I need to get it into every part of my life. I have to get it. I have to assimilate it into my life. It's more than just a Sunday thing. It's more than just even a quiet time kind of thing. And that may be the problem is your quiet time's a little too quiet. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let me, let me, let's just get real this morning. How many of you have been reading your Bible? Come on. And, and oh, good, that wasn't a question. I stopped short. Sorry, I, I didn't even mean to set you up, but I'm glad you're reading your Bible. Uh, how many of you ever been reading your Bible and it's quiet? <laughs> Come on, let's just get real this morning. You fell asleep. How many of you? I woke up one morning, stuck to the pages, y'all. It's like, <sighs> it didn't work. <laughs> I've tried sleeping on it. It don't work. I've drooled on it. I've, I've dozed off on it. It don't work. You follow me? It's it's we gotta we gotta get it working into every part 
of our life. We got we to gotta work it into our marriage. We got to work it into our parenting, our finances, our relationships. You got to work God's word into your job, into your hobbies. You see, it's vital that we get it and we work it in into every part of our life. That's when we discover how powerful it is. Amen? That's when we discover how powerful it is. It's when we begin to work it into all the areas of our life. That's why we do, that's why we have life groups, y'all. This, this semester we had a, a new believers life group. We, little, little young Billy just took a group of people that were just new to the faith and he just taught them the basic truths of, of salvation and Christianity. That's why we've had Financial Peace University life groups where we, we, we jumped along with Dave Ramsey who applies God's word to our finances so that we can, we can help you as a church work God's word into your finances. Even before it gets bad. Come on, somebody. God's word has something to say about every area of our life. Amen. So we have to assimilate it into our lives. How do we do that? The first way is by listening to God's word. We got to listen to God's word. You know, it blows me away at, at how many people just, they don't come to church every Sunday. I go, man, there's a lot of work, effort, and energy that gets put into a Sunday morning service. I mean, there's a lot of studying that goes on. There's a lot of preparing. I mean, children's uh, volunteers are, are preparing their lessons to give your kids the word so that they can hear the word of God. Are you with me? They're, they're not sucking on a lollipop. They're getting the word of God this morning. I mean, but too many people, they go, they, they wake up on, on Sunday morning and go, huh, nah. Or they look at each other and go, you want to go to church? I don't know blows me away. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to be real with you this morning. I, as a pastor, I've been pastoring long enough that I've had people come to me that I hadn't seen in months and they come to church on a Sunday and, and, and the word of God just, <laughs> just nails them. And it's not me preaching at them because I'm mad at them because I'm not mad at them. I'm, I'm a heart's hurting for them because I want you to be here every Sunday. And, and, and they come up to me at the church and they say this. They say, man, I'm so glad I decided to come to church today. I needed to hear that. And for me, I'm screaming on the inside going, you mean it's not on your plans? It's not in your schedule? You, you don't plan to be in a place where you can hear God? This is a privilege. Come on, somebody. It's a privilege to be in a place. Every Sunday and first Wednesday, we preach the word of God. It's a place for you to hear God's word. It breaks my heart. I don't get mad at people when they don't show up. It just breaks my heart because I go, you know what? Because every time I'm preaching, I'm thinking about who's not here sometimes. And I'm going, man, they needed this word. They call me this week crying because of this. This word applies to that. When I'm, stu- when I'm preparing for messages, I see you. It just breaks my heart. By listening to God's word is one of the ways we do it. Romans 10, 17 says that so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
You need to be where the word of God's being preached. Me and my family, we don't make that decision anymore. It's made every Sunday. My son had surgery, and I'm not bragging on him. My son had surgery this week. Wednesday or Thursday, he had surgery on his knee, and, and he's wanting to come to both services. And we're like, no, son, you can't go to both services because it's just going to be too much pressure on your knee. And, and he had his way. He's at both services today. And so I, that's the kind of attitude I just want. I was... God did that in my family. I want a church that's just hungry to get together. And is that all right? Another way we do that is by reading God's word. You need to see this book like a meal. Come on, when I look at my Bible, I see ribeye, baby. I'm not lying to you. I don't see leather bound book. I see ribeye. And my soul, my spirit's going, I need some ribeye today. I need some potatoes. I need something going, like my grandma used to say, going to stick to the ribs. My grandma told me that was like I was a kid, and I still eat everything that sticks to my ribs and my hips and my chest and my stomach and, and all those other things. And so, so we need to see God's word like a meal, like I need to feed my spirit. Pastor Bubba used to say this one-liner all the time when we were first starting the church. He says, some of you walk in here like, a, like an Ethiopian poster child. If I could see what your spirit looks like, it looks like an Ethiopian poster child, all skinny and frail, going, please feed me. Because <laughs> you hadn't been feeding it all week. It's a, it's a, it's, you, need to, you need to read it. Matthew 4, 4 says that people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We got to read God's word like a meal. You need to get a paper Bible. (laughs) You need to get you a paper Bible. Come on, you need to get your own Bible. This is my Bible. This is my latest Bible. It's about 10 or 11 years old. I had a, a red one that was wore out. It was a New King James Version. This is a... New Living Translation. I change translations, which is sometimes a tough thing to do. But but this is my Bible, okay? This is the Bible I read daily. This is the Bible that I study from. I've since brought on another Bible. He's got a buddy now. But it's a study Bible. It's about this thick. And I don't bring that one to church because if I threw that thing on the pulpit, y'all all get convicted of sin. And so I don't do that. <laughs> so I just bring the light and easy button. I'm joking. But this is my Bible. But look, I mean, the, the, the leather's falling off. I love it when I, you know, like little black, I see black pieces everywhere on the table and in my office. And I go, hey, I read my Bible right there. And so it's kind of the way I track my Bible. But this is my Bible. I've been having it for about 11 years and I love my Bible. I write in my Bible. I highlight in my Bible. <laughs> I go back into my Bible sometimes and I, I see things that I've highlighted in notes that I've written on the side and I go, oh, wow. Sometimes I put dates next to it and I go, cool, that's been seven years ago. But this is my Bible. I can't tell you where most things are in most Bibles, but I can tell you where it's at in this Bible. I go, it's on page so-and-so at the top right-hand corner. And I'll be digging. I'll go, I know it's right there. It's right because I remember. Cause why? Because I spent so much time with this thing. I remember where it's at. It's my Bible. You know, studies show today that, that people that read digital Bibles, and listen, I love digital Bibles. I love version. I think that's incredible tools. I and mean, I thank God for the technology we have today. But studies show now that, that you retain 5% less when you're on a digital Bible than when you're on a paper Bible. This is real studies that they just came out with because on a digital Bible, you have the, the, just the, the simple ability to click on something else. And before you know it, you may end up on Twitter. 
<laughs> you follow what I'm saying? You can click this thing all day long. It's going to stay right there. <laughs> this is your Bible. You see, a digital Bible is everybody's Bible, but a paper Bible is your Bible. So I encourage you to get yourself a Bible and read your Bible. Wear that sucker out right in it. I heard an old, Pastor Bubba tells this story all the time, this old Chinese man, he says, clean Bible, dirty Christian, dirty Bible, clean Christian. <laughs> Pastor Bubba does it better. He's got the accent with it, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's true though. Your Bible needs to be wore out. Amen. You need to set aside some time to spend in it. Listen, we have to prioritize God's word in our life. You have to set an appointment just like you would with the chiropractor, just like you would with the doctor or the dentist or the massage therapist. Come on, y'all don't miss your massage therapist appointment, right? Just like you do with supper time. Y'all need to go get a massage. Uh, just like you do with supper, you set a certain time, right? You set an appointment. And what do you do? You, you're there for that appointment. You need to prioritize the reading of God's word in your life. You need to set a time. I would encourage you to let it be the first thing you do in the morning. Set aside the time. Get your coffee. Get along. Get in the Word. Don't even take your phone off the charger. Just leave it in sleep mode. Don't even wake that thing up. Don't check Facebook. Check God's book. Set aside time. Have a plan. You need to have a reading plan. Just trying to give you some tools. Don't, don't get in the habit of just doing this. Well, let's see. Oh, and you're on infectious skin diseases. I mean, this is it's not smart. Have a plan. You version gives you a lot of plans to help lead you and guide you in reading your Bible. Do a one year Bible. Do a one year reading Bible plan. Read some of the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. Get yourself a plan. Don't get bogged down in the areas of the begots and the, the names and the skin diseases and move on from that. You can get to that later. Next one is don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. This one's important. Because it's easy to sit down and read something. Some of you are great readers. You can read through books in a week. It takes me months to read through a book. I'm not, I'm not the most gifted reader there is, but I enjoy reading. Um, but sometimes you've got to slow down enough to let what you're reading read you. You got to start asking questions like, God, what are you telling me in this verse? You see, the Bible says that it's about itself is that it's like a mirror. And we get to see our reflection in this thing. So when I read my Bible sometimes and it throws out these attitudes that I don't need to have, I read them and and the Holy Spirit just kind of comes in and goes, you know, you got that attitude. And I'll try to argue, no, you tripping Holy Spirit, I don't have that. Oh, yeah, you do. And I have to come to the realization that that's what I'm seeing in the mirror. And I got to let God's word read my life. This is important. You got to ask God, what is what are you saying to me through this? It's important. Good so far. So so read your Bible, get a paper Bible, set aside time, have a plan don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. And, and, and one of the last ways you do this is by exploring God's word. And I plan to show you that in the fourth message of this series. 
And, and, and by the way, after that fourth message, a couple of weeks later, we're going to be launching life groups. And so there'll be opportunities for you to get into some groups with some other people. Because part of meditating and chewing on God's word is you need to share it with other people. You need to put yourself in a room with some other people. Where you can say, you know what? I've been studying this thing. And can y'all help me understand this? And the Bible says this, and I don't quite understand that. Can y'all help me chew this a little bit? You follow me? So life groups are going to be great for that. But you need to explore God's word. You need to dig into it. And let me show you the miracle in all of this. Because there's a miracle. When you take this one message today, and you go, okay, I've heard the theological side. Now I've heard the practical side. I feel like I've given you everything that you need to build your life on God's word this morning. But let me show you one more thing. Let me show you the miracle. Psalms chapter 119 verse 11 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, some of you have been struggling with sin and some of you have been wrestling with that thing and you're, you're sick and tired of battling with the whole depression that comes with sin and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the the dirtiness that comes with sin. The Bible says that if you'll take God's breathed, living, active, alive word, and if you'll hide it in your heart, how do you get it in your heart? Through your head, through revelation, through meditation, by faith. You get it down in your heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The best chance you got at defeating sin in your life is hiding the word of God in your heart. You tired of the devil beating on you? You tired of the temptation coming day after day after day after day? Get up in the word. Get his word hidden in your heart. Amen? That you might not sin. Last point is this. I must apply its principles. James 1.22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. <laughs> don't just read it and say, you know what, man? I, I passed. I'm doing great, man. How you doing since that message? I'm doing great, Pastor. I read my Bible every day. Oh, yeah? Well, what you getting from it? Nothing. But I read it. Don't just check off the box. Don't just check the box off that says, I read my Bible today. Don't do that. Apply it to your life. Don't fool yourself. Take it and apply it to your life. Amen? I'll never forget how Cheryl and I learned to use the word in our life. And it was, it was in the early days, right when Virginia was born, we were we're living in a brand new house, two brand new cars, college payments. We both had jobs, decent jobs for the 90s. And and and, and we were making decent money. And, and Virginia was getting ready to be born. And we just felt like God wanted Cheryl to stay home. And so we made a decision that didn't make sense on paper. But in our in our hearts, it made sense. And so we made the decision for Cheryl to stay home. And so she quit her job. She had a college education. She had a degree. She had all those things. But she quit her job to stay at home and raise the kids. We felt like, and I'm not trying to put a standard on anybody else, but we felt like that was what we needed to do for our family. And so we made that decision, made that sacrifice. And then we had to learn to stand on God's word. 
You see, the way you, you start finding out how this word works is you start applying it to situations in your life. When you're in a situation or circumstance, you need to go find you some scripture for that. You follow me? So, man, we made that decision and right off the bat, boom, didn't have enough money. That's what paper said was going to happen. The numbers we crunched said, you ain't going to make it, buddy. But something inside of us says, yes, you will. And I told Cheryl, I said, the, the first answer, I said, we tithe first no matter what. And we did that. But there was days we had to go to Malachi and we had to say, you know what? Have you robbed God? And, and, and the people in those times said, well, how have we robbed you? And he said, through tithes and offerings. I said, well, you know, Cheryl, we don't want to rob God. I said, let's make sure and, and do what we're supposed to do. So we did our part and we applied the scripture to our situation and we never missed a meal, a meal or a deal. Are you with me, somebody? God's word works. Paper said no. The spirit of God said yes. All we had to do was take the word of God and apply it to our lives. And it worked. Amen. It works. Every time it works. If you put some faith in it. 